This edition of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast is dedicated to the memory of Ashley Macero, who passed away at age 39. It's essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. My name is Sean, coming to you from London, Ontario, Canada. I'd like to thank you for joining me this week. We have a good show coming up. I was able to get a little bit of a roundtable going on where we have Chris Maloney from the Sharpshooter Podcast and Trevor from the Wrestling Nerds join the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. So we got three areas of London covered in wrestling knowledge. On this week's edition, we look at the breaking news involving Ashley Massaro and Ric Flair. Then we check out everything going on with Smash Wrestling, including their upcoming show next weekend right here in London and the Northern Tournament and everything leading up to SummerSlam weekend. After that, Chris Maloney and I break down everything going on with AEW and their new TV deal, some WWE news, including our feelings on the Firefly Funhouse, and then we get to the main part of the show with our predictions of Money in the Bank. Remember to share this podcast with all your friends, whether they listen to their podcasts on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, or many other podcast outlets, including Podcoin, where you can end up earning money just for listening to this very podcast. We have a very interactive group on Facebook where we celebrate the wrestler of the day, celebrating a birthday, talk everything, independent wrestling, smash wrestling, WWE, AEW, Ring of Honor, New Japan, Impact Wrestling. And most nights at 7 o'clock, Alex Acosta presents a watch-along party for the evening. It usually consists of old-school wrestling, so you don't want to miss out if you're a fan of the older generation of wrestlers. Be sure to like us on our social media platforms, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, and of course our Facebook page. And you can always reach out to me at scumbagswrestling at gmail.com. Anchor is updating their service, and we're going to see a way that you can be interactive with the show and send me messages and be a part of it too. Whether you want to ask a question or give your opinion on a certain topic, that I'll be eventually posting on our Facebook page. So we'll be right back in just a moment with everything coming up in the show with Breaking News and Smash Wrestling. Scumbags Wrestling are always looking for ways of giving back to the community. And we're going to do just that with Ethan's Fight happening on June 23rd at Montcalm Secondary School right here in London, Ontario. The card starts at 1 p.m. and goes till 4, with tickets starting at $10 for kids, $15 for general admission, and $20 for VIP. Ethan's Fight is a charity wrestling show to benefit Ethan Hayes. 
In January 2019, a cancerous mass was discovered in six-year-old Ethan's brain. He immediately had surgery at Sick Kids Hospital in Toronto to remove the mass and relieve the swelling caused by the buildup of cerebral spinal fluid. The eight-hour surgery removed most of the mass, but some elements were attached to his brainstem and could not be extracted. Along with the remnants of the tumor in his brain, cancer was also present throughout Ethan's spine. Luckily, he qualified for a study which would combat cancer with revolutionary form of proton radiation treatment only available at St. Jude's Children's Hospital in Memphis, Tennessee. The money raised will help alleviate the financial burden that Ethan's family will be facing during Ethan's upcoming chemotherapy at Sig Kids in Toronto. Ethan's mother has taken a one-year leave of absence from work for both her, her jobs to care for Ethan through all phases of his treatment. The main event is going to be a big one, with the first time ever meeting of Impact Wrestling and London's own Cody Deaner taking on the King of the North, Carter Mason, one of independent wrestling's hottest wrestlers who is having an astonishing comeback year. You won't want to miss this main event and all the other matches that are set to happen during Ethan's Fight, the charity wrestling event show happening at Montcalm Secondary School on June 23rd at 1 p.m. Check out Facebook for more information. Are you looking to get into the wrestling business? Well, look no further than the Tyson Dukes Wrestle Factory, located right here in London, Ontario. It's Tyson has over 20 years of experience in the wrestling world, and he's even been brought down to the WWE Performance Center to be a guest trainer. We've already seen the likes of Jordan James, Kyle Boone, Violet Lee, Jim Strider, Pharaoh Bowman, Chris Mitchells, and many more. Plus, the new generation that are coming from the second group, such as Josh Pine, Shiloh, Nova, Frankie War, and many more. You don't want to miss your opportunity to learn from one of the best in Ontario, if not all of Canada, or the world, in Tyson Dukes. So that's the Tyson Dukes Rust Factory. It's open Monday, Wednesday, and Thursdays. And located at 309 Exeter Road here in London. Hi, I'm the Fireball Kid, Jordan James, and this is the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast. Hello, hello. Hello, how are you doing? Doing all right. Awesome. Okay, so it's Chris Maloney who called you. Uh, he's recording okay. this on Skype. Okay. And uh, so we got the Sharpshooter, we have Nerds, and we have uh, Scumbags Wrestling all in one uh, show. First time ever. Yeah, it should, yeah. Be, it should be fun. It's going to be fun. Um, so, as I said, it's Scumbags Wrestling Podcast, and uh, we attempted record this last night but anchor messed up and maloney and i did record but it didn't save so we're trying it again and now we have trevor uh joining us how are you doing trevor 
Doing all right. How are you guys doing? I'm doing well. Chris, how are you doing? I'm doing good, but it's uh, it's like you said just uh, right before we started recording, what a difference 24-hour makes. Yeah, it's huge. Um, normally, we start off with the uh, independent wrestling scene, especially uh, Smash Wrestling off the start. But in the last 24 hours, we've got Alexa Bliss out of Money in the Bank, the death of Ashley Macero, and the almost death of Ric Flair. So uh, what would would you like to start with Ashley Macero? Yeah, we can we can start with Ashley. I'll just I'll bring up the report here. Um, I mean, it was first reported TMZ, of course, and then it went to um, uh, Ryan Satin's uh, page there, which is uh, uh, Pro Wrestling Sheet, and then PW Insiders picked it up as well. But she was only 39 years old. Um, not sure health-wise what she um, what she was like the past couple of years, but uh, TMZ is re- uh, reporting that it's uh, non-criminal. So, um, you know, it's tough to say if it's uh, drug-related or not, but uh, 39 years old is way too young to go. Yeah. Well, I'll actually uh, say this is actually the first time I'm hearing about it. Uh, how long ago did this information come out? Uh, right when I was about to uh, call Sean, um, I logged into uh, Pro Wrestling, not Pro Wrestling, but Pro, you know, Pro Wrestling Sheet, and uh, I haven't seen much about it yet, but it, uh, I mean, probably within the last hour it was posted. Huh, wow. No, yeah, this is the first time I'm hearing about it, so it's a bit of a shocker. So, guys, uh, what are your memories of uh, her time being in WWE? Well, I mean, for me, Diva Search for sure. Um, just in note, uh, WWE.com's officially picked it up as well now, so. Um, but, uh, yeah, to me, it's always, uh, you know, the diva search, and then she transitioned the best she could into uh, a real wrestler. Um, she looked a lot better when she first started. She lost a lot of weight during her run. I don't know, I can't remember if she had, had time in TNA, but, um, you know, it's uh, I can't ever recall her having an issue with anybody. So, um, like I said, 39 years old, definitely sad to say. And Trevor? Was, was she recently in the um, Mae Young Classic? Or am I messing uh, no. her up with someone else? No, I'm messing her up with someone else. Um, yeah. Yeah. Honestly, um, mostly just uh, when they were doing the search. Um, during her run was a time where I wasn't watching as much WWE, so it's hard for me to comment too much on her. Yeah, she was sort of in that uh, limbo between the bra and panties matches and yeah. the real matches with Trish and Lita and Molly Holly and stuff like that, so... She was kind of transitional along with uh, uh, Michelle. Hey, Sean, you might, you uh, might know about this. Um, I'm just reading the PW Insider news. Um, apparently, she was at WrestleMania 23. She challenged uh, Melina for the, uh, the title there. Do you remember that? Uh, yeah, she might have been in that. Yeah, 23. Yeah, Detroit, I was there. So that was probably one of her last matches uh, with WD. I'm not sure if she returned for the uh, anniversary uh, Battle Royal that uh, Santino won or Santina won. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. Um, I think, Trevor, when you were thinking about the May Young Classic, I think you are confusing it with Caitlin. Good chance. Yeah, I think you're right about that. So I, uh, go ahead. No, go ahead with what you were going to say, Trevor. I was just going to say, I'm, I'm trying to get a visual right now with me being on my phone. <laughs> That's usually the fastest way to go, so I'm kind of like uploading my laptop just so I have a some better better way to get some information but yeah go ahead yeah so uh, unfortunately 
condolences out to Ashley's uh, family and friends and everybody who uh, did work with her. Um, nobody should die that young, regardless of what it is. Somebody who almost has died that's not that young is the 70-year-old Ric Flair. Uh, TMZ yep, reported that uh, he was rushed to the hospital with something deemed very serious, but Conrad Thompson was doing a media uh, call about StarCast and said it's not as bad as TMZ said, and they're still going to go through with the roast of Ric Flair uh, next weekend as part of StarCast. And yeah, I guess it was a procedure on his head that was already scheduled, so it's not anything with brain damage or terminally brain dead like some other reports have said and his wife uh, Wendy formerly known as Fifi the maid uh, issued a statement saying due to ongoing health complications Rick was taken to the hospital and is expected to undergo a procedure after which he is expected uh, to fully recover so I guess Rick kicks out again before the three count thoughts on that uh, guys well, I was just going to say that um, when you think about guys in the wrestling business that probably should have, you know, unfortunately passed long, you know, passed away a long time ago, uh, Flair is definitely up there. I mean, the type of lifestyle he lived, um, to know he's still kicking around and to know he's not letting the setback affect his uh, StarCast uh, appearance is absolutely amazing. Um, I mean, he's one of a kind and, uh, I mean, props to him getting better, but uh, you got to wonder what's going on in his life if he's uh, if he's ever going to slow down. Exactly. Uh, so, Trevor, your thoughts on Ric Flair before we uh, transition over to Smash Wrestling? Well, with Ric Flair, I, I feel like we've been lucky that we've gotten the years we have. As you were saying, like he should have been gone a long time ago if you look at the history of pro wrestlers out there. And... Yet he's still here. I've been waiting since basically since he's come back to the WWE um, during, uh, I guess that was the first brand split, um, for something, you know, negative to happen. I, he, he's getting old. It's going to happen eventually. Um, but as we were told uh, after further reports, you know, this was something that was scheduled. Um, so, you know, it's a little whew, sigh of relief because, you know, it's going to be a sad day when that day happens. But it is definitely, you know, it is inevitable. But we're, we're today, you know, we're lucky. He's still with us. Yeah. Rick Flair's always been sort of in that category with Scott Hall and uh, Jake Roberts, where you hear other people die, and you're like, wow, those three are still around. How is this possible? Yeah. But, yeah, it's amazing that they're still with us, and Rick is going to be at StarCast next weekend. That's definitely a good comparison. So let's transition into some local stuff, Smash Wrestling. Um, I know when I posted uh, wanting people to be a part of the uh, podcast, we were talking also about all the great events that are coming up in this whole spring and summer, whether it's WWE and Smash, this summer is going to be loaded with stuff. So it starts actually next week. Um, We'll probably go through predictions and everything, but next week, they're back here in London at the London Music Hall, and the card looks really stacked again. Um, we got Alec Realm against Jim Strider. The tag team titles, I believe, were on the line as Fight or Flight Challenge, Halal Beefcake. Kill Screen of Anthony Gaines and Scotty O'Shea take on The Muscle and Violet Lee. Brent Banks takes on John Greed. 
TJP, the first CWC winner and cruiserweight champion, takes on Sebastian Suave. The Blade takes on Sweetball Mike Bailey. And there's a huge four-way match with Tarek, Carter Mason, yeah, Kevin Bennett, and Tyson Dukes. So, guys, uh, without going into predictions to save for next week, what are you thinking about this card? Trevor? Um, well, I'm actually looking pretty forward for this card. Um, I really like Strider. I think he's the next right thing. At least he could be, at least when it comes to Smash. So I'm liking watching his career progress. Um, when it comes to TJP, when he was in WWE, I was—I wouldn't say I, like I hated him or anything, but I wasn't a fan. I was more of a I liked to boo him. So I think maybe going into his guard, I might feel the same way. But that doesn't mean he won't impress me in the ring. So I'm definitely looking forward to that as well. Um, as for the Violet Lee match with her being, you know, a, a personal friend of mine who I've known for about 15 years, I'm definitely uh, always looking forward to seeing her matches, and it's going to be great to see her uh, team up. I'm interested to see what they're do- going to do with against um, Kill Screen because, um, as we know, those guys they can go a little harder and stuff. So it'll be interesting to see how uh, Wyatt Lee um, interacts with them. And uh, yeah, I think that's my my only thoughts for the moment. Yeah, because Kill Screen, as you said, are more harder core and uh, business uh, sort of thing, not the comedy that you're going to probably see out of Muscle and Violet uh, pairing up. And, yeah, I totally agree with you on Jim Strider. That's why the following week he's going to be part of the Northern. But before I skip to that, Chris, your thoughts on uh, next week's card at London Music Hall? Uh, I definitely get a second Trevor with regards to Strider. Uh, He's probably, besides Violet Lee, the one who's impressed me the most as far as Tyson students go. Uh, the guy's got potential, um, definitely a lot of uh, you know, charisma and heart, and um, that lariat he throws is very reminiscent of Stan Hansen. Um, so, um, you know, big and better things for him, and, and we'll see how he does in the Northern. Um, TJP, excited to see him. Um, second with Trevor as well is the fact is I wasn't mainly a huge fan of his in WWE, but um, I, you know, respected his talent and what he could do. And in saying that, uh, last show I was at for Smash was... Uh, I think it was Mike Bailey against Kevin Bennett. I no idea really who Mike Bailey was, but uh, definitely looking forward to that to this one. He's uh, he's impressed me, and he's also um, been over in Japan recently as well. I think over there with uh, Rollins. So it'd be interesting to see um, uh, you know Mike Bailey back in uh, the Smash ring there. Yeah, I was very impressed with him as well, and uh, I think I saw somewhere that he's not allowed in the United States. For whatever reason, uh, probably visa issues like they tried to do with Tyson, but uh, he's definitely going everywhere around the world, like Japan, and making a name for himself here in Canada. So that's uh, Get Your Fight On, Smash Wrestling, London Music Hall, next Sunday, May 26th, starting at 4 p.m., and tickets are uh, still available. The Music Hall always sells out, and anybody who hasn't got their tickets yet, what are you thinking? Get on that. Smash Wrestling It's local. Why not? So then we move on to the following weekend. That's the Northern Tournament. I know uh, Chris and I are both going. Uh, Trevor, you had some interest in it. I'm not sure if you're making it to there, but it's two nights uh, instead of one night uh, this year. And it's at the Franklin Horror Community Center, Saturday, 
uh, June 1st at 6 p.m., Sunday at 4 p.m. And uh, we can see that the first night of the tournament uh, is the main eight matches with Ultimo Dragon against Matt Cross, Mike Bailey against John Greed, Evil Uno against Anthony Green, Josh Briggs versus uh, Stu Grayson, The Blade versus Mike Rollins in a huge grudge match that has been a long time in the making. Carter Mason finally gets his uh, one-on-one match with Tyson Dukes. Jason Kincaid against Jim Strider, who we just uh, were talking about. And Lufisto, in probably one of her last matches as she's winding down her career, taking on Sebastian Swab. Thoughts on the first night, guys? Trevor, you want to go ahead? Yeah, sure. Um, so with this one, two words, Ultimo Dragon. Like that, <laughs> that was the selling point for me. That's the reason why I wanted to go. The guy's a legend. I mean, he invented the Asai Moonsault. That had me sold on it. Um, as it stands right now, it's, it's looking unfortunate that I might not be able to make it. Um, I was really looking forward to that. Also with um, uh, Lucito. Um, did I say her name right? Is that how it's pronounced? Lucito? Lucito. The, the, Lefisto. Yeah, that's it. Um, when I saw her at the Canessa last year, 100% impressed. And I was happy to hear that, oh, like uh, um, after hearing that she had to retire, that um, she was going to have uh, this upcoming match. So that was my second selling point on it. Um, Russell Card, decent enough. Um, all people I, all people I've seen and not that I wouldn't want to see them again but the, definitely the selling point screen was first Ultimo and then her second um, it looks like a great card it looks like two great nights I am kind of jealous that it's not in my hometown where I could easily go to it and that I won't be able to make it um, I also heard that um, Ultimo Dragon is doing some training sessions and I think any wrestler out there should be that's available to go should go if not you're in the wrong business because he is a legend that brought in high flying in a time where it was brand new where it was like an awe a spectacle to see compared to you know you see everything now um well every guy kind of doing a high five spot now so definitely i think it's going to be a good tournament i hope also can still go like he used to um let's not think about his short run in wwe but when he was a legend yeah, this uh, year's tournament is definitely a little bit different as well because there's only one female in it. Last year there was three. Uh, we end up getting uh, Joey Mercury in there against Tyson Dukes. Joe Hendry was there. Mia Yim against uh, Matt Riddle, who now both are in NXT. Like that whole card, and it was two cards in one day was amazing. Now they're splitting it up, but the weekend looks great. Chris, your thoughts on it? Yeah, it's it's funny because um, when I think of Ultimo Dragon, I think of uh, Sonny Ono and when he first arrived in WCW as the uh, the J Cup, uh, sorry, the J Crown winner. I think he's the only guy still in history to ever have eight belts at the same time. Um, I know there's some other guys who have had seven, but I think Ultimo is the only guy who's ever had eight. Um, huge fan of this guy. Um, second, the fact that his WWE run was crap. Um, they should have done a lot more with him, but uh, I mean, still the WWE Network people have the footage of him. Um, you want to see his real stuff, WCW, um, anything that he's done in Japan and Mexico, as well as, I mean, he's one of the most talented out there. I second what Trevor says, if you have the you know ability, if you're an aspiring wrestler to head to Toronto just to do the seminar with him, you can't probably find, you know, he's probably one of the top five in the world to be able to learn from. 
Uh, Lufisto, I've been a mark for her since mid 2000s. Um, the real lady Jen Goulet outside of the, uh, the ring is very humble, very sweet, loves the business to death. It's probably breaking her heart that she has to retire, but she knows she's retiring for the right reasons. Uh, as far as the card itself goes, it's going to be it's going to be interesting um, to see where they what you know what they do. I mean, first round match, Ultimate Dragon gets Matt Cross. That to me is could be the show stealer right there. But we'll have to wait and see. Um, definitely looking forward to it though. I uh, concur with you on uh, Lufisto, as I was fortunate enough to be able to drive Lufisto and uh, during Grace back and forth from the Canusa to their hotel. And it was just really cool hanging out with them. Like, uh, I'm not sure how into it Jordan Grace was because I asked her just offhand how her first couple of weeks in Impact were. And she was just like, yeah, it's wrestling. But I think that's possibly changed since. But with uh, Lupisto, we were just like, she was sitting beside me. We are going to uh, Tim Hortons to get food and whatever was needed. And it wasn't, oh, I'm the wrestler and you're just the driver type deal. It was really laid back and regular person type deal. So great that we're going to get to see her one more time in uh, Toronto and the first night of the Northern Tournament which takes us to the second night of the tournament where it's been announced that Jody Threat will be there. Uh, Kevin Bennett has a night uh, double duty going on for him because he's going to be doing a wrap-off with Canadian uh, rapper Chaclair, also challenging Tarek for the Smash Wrestling Championship. So that is already in place along with the second round of the tournament and the finals from everybody who won first night. And that's just the Northern Tournament night two, but there's still hours before that that are happening with a meet and greet with the superstars, a wrestling, or wrestlers versus uh, fans trivia, and the muscle reads, everybody poops. That is reality. Muscle is reading a book that maybe the children should be reading to muscle. But <laughs> your thoughts on uh, night number two? Trevor, um, night number two sounds like great. Like, like I know you're going for uh, both nights, I believe. So I, I believe you're doing you're doing everything correct. Correct. Both uh, Chris and I are. So, uh, well, being a big indie fan, I think that's like, or any indie fan out there, I think that's like just a great experience. The whole uh, weekend of wrestling, and not just wrestling, but things that you know you get to be involved with. Um, I believe they're doing like a fans versus wrestlers trivia. Um, that sounds great. Um, even some of the more gimmicky things, like the reading of the book or the rap battle, it's still entertainment, which is what this business is all about. So it's good to see uh, Smash uh, dipping into the other parts of the entertainment part of wrestling. Um, and on top of that, we're, it looks like a great tournament. Chris? Yeah, I don't know if it was on your group or the Smash group, but um, my prediction is uh, Tarek losing. As much as I love that guy and uh, marked out when he won the championship in Toronto there, I see Sebastian turning on Tarek to cost him the belt. Um, against uh, Kevin Bennett there. Um, as far as everything else goes, I mean, it'll be interesting to see the, the muscle story, uh, you know, the fan interaction, the, the wrestlers versus fans as far as the trivia goes. Um, here's a challenge for Smash Wrestling since they are into doing the intergender matches. 
Uh, if Bennett wins the title, put Jody Threat up against him and see how that plays out. Hmm. It would be interesting. So, yeah, huge weekend uh, happening in Toronto. Um, they're throwing in sort of like the WD aspect of access. And so, yeah, I'm looking forward to definitely seeing that weekend unfold. The rest of the uh, summer is stacked as well with uh, just at wrestling on July 6th at the Franklin Horner Community Center. July 7th, actually going back to July 6th, Smash Wrestling is doing a interpromotional tag team invitational tournament with five other uh, wrestling organizations. And they're all going to converge the winners of their individual brackets on that night to do the semifinals. And then the finals are going to happen the next night at on July 7th here in London at the Music Hall for 10-10-10. The big highlight also for those uh, two shows is that London's own Sean Spears, formerly known as Ty Dillinger, is coming to both those shows. So thoughts on those two before we look further down the calendar? Sure. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to that. I got my tickets for that the same day I got tickets for uh, the May show. Um, that one actually sold out a lot quicker. Um, I, actually, I don't even know if it sold out, but when I went to get tickets, they just had less uh, front row VIP available. So um, clearly a, a good draw there for them. Um, even before before he was even considering leaving, leaving um, WWE when Tyson Duke's wrestling school was new. Um, our crew kind of went there and did like a, a basic training night with them. And um, unfortunately, Tyson Duke's, that's when he got called up for uh, Impact Wrestling um, pay-per-view. So he wasn't available. But uh, the man who replaced him, I can't remember his name at the moment, but we asked him uh, who he thought, you know, was a great talent um, that's being uh, underutilized in the name he used was Ty Dillinger. He said that they, they got a great, great wrestler there that they're not using properly. Um, I've always personally liked them. So I'm definitely looking forward to it. And on top of that, as you mentioned, we have the, the ending of that tag team tournament. Um, I am liking that we're getting a lot of those big moments um, here more and more in London. We've basically become, uh, in my opinion, the, the secondary place next to, of course, Toronto, we've kind of become uh, their smack, uh, SmackDown and Toronto being their Raw, uh, once again, in my opinion. So, yeah, definitely looking forward to that night uh, just as much as this night, and we don't even know the card yet. Yeah, I'm going to guess that uh, possibly the uh, gentleman that replaced uh, Tyson was that be Derek Wilde? I think you're right. I think you're right. Okay. Just uh, throwing out there because he's close friends with uh, both uh, Sean and uh, Cody and uh, Tyson, and they were like the Canadian four and uh, the Ontario four horsemen. So when yeah, you're, you're definitely there. right. You're, yeah, that's who it was. As soon as you said that, I, yeah. Chris, your thoughts on uh, the uh, arrival of Sean Spears and the uh, tag team tournament that's been uh, done with six promotions, basically. Yeah, it's it's definitely a concept. Um, uh, when I first started following Canadian indie way back in mid two thousands. This is something that was unheard of. I mean, you never saw interpromotional work. So to know that you've got five different promotions working together uh, just for the sake of putting on a great show for the fans uh, absolutely amazes me. Um, as far as Sean Spears goes, I have, well, I've interviewed him. I have uh, met him a few times. He, he, it's like you said, he is a London boy. 
Uh, one of the nicest, most humble guys I think uh, I've ever seen. Um, uh, back in, I think, 06, I, I was live for an event up in Collingwood. Got to see him against uh, Cody Diener and uh, Chris Sabin in one match. Uh, match was phenomenal. I knew Sean, you know, Ty, uh, Ronnie was going to be a superstar back then. Uh, sucks the way it played out in the WWE, but um, just thinking this may be the potential and opportunity that we get to see, as you call them, the four horsemen of Canadian indie wrestling at, you know, at the London Music Hall. Um, Cody Diener's been booked before for Smash, obviously. Tyson's a mainstay. You've got uh, Sean Spears coming in. Who's to say Danger Boy doesn't show up that night as well? I think it'd be a pretty cool moment for wrestling fans. Yeah, if at all, Danger Boy would probably be in uh, the audience. I think his uh, days are pretty much uh, behind him uh, from what I've seen on his Facebook page. But uh, the other thing uh, that's impressive about Sean Spears is he's engaged to Peyton Rice. Right. I forgot about that. My uh, my wife doesn't listen to this podcast, so I'm I'm gonna say lucky man right there. <laughs> there <we go. laughs> so yeah, moving on uh, down the calendar, uh, July 13th, Smash Wrestling is returning to Dresden. Last year, uh, Dresden hosted a uh, event and was in support of their uh, little their hockey team, the Dresden Junior Kings, and that was set up with uh, referee uh, Jay Smith, who's also radio DJ in the Chatham area. So this is uh, his sort of baby that he's uh, giving back to the community. Last year we had 20 seats. Again, we have 20 seats available, and they're just need to contact me through the uh, Facebook page or email me at scumbagswrestling at gmail.com. We want to give back to the community, and this is one way of doing so. Dresden was a really good show. Nothing's been announced yet, but uh, any interest in uh, joining those ones, guys? Yeah, I guess. Um, oh, go ahead, Trevor. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just, I was just um, gonna, oh, here we go. <laughs> sorry, you go ahead. You go ahead. <laughs> okay. Um, I was just gonna say I I didn't have the chance to attend Dresden last uh, last year, right, Sean? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't have a chance uh, scheduling or something like that. But um, uh, oh, you know what it was? It was uh, becoming a new parent. I think it was. But uh, yeah. it, anyways, um, to know that Jay Smith's involved, to know how long he's been part of the uh, the indie scene is uh, phenomenal. That he's uh, trying to make a go of this. Um, I know from talking to you, Sean, uh, you guys uh, sound like you had a fun time last time. Um, looking forward to uh, to attending this one. Um, you know, you said school, a charity, right? Dressed in hockey team or something like that? Yeah, they're uh, junior kings. Yeah, so um, I said this last night on the show that uh, it's never going to air because it didn't record properly, but I'll say it again. Um, and we'll do it this way. The first person to uh, message Sean on Facebook, uh, so PM Sean on Facebook, with the hashtag Jay Smith is overrated, I will pay for a ticket for them. So um, uh, again, Jay Smith is overrated. Hashtag in front of that. First person who does that, I will provide a ticket for them for this show. Awesome. Uh, well, thank you for offering that up. Um, so yeah, there's uh, next thing on the Smash calendar is New Kids on the Block. It's Smash Wrestling at the Cannery Event Center in Kitchener. Uh, last time that they uh, were there, they sold out. The crowd is loud. It's a small room, but they can fit a lot of people in it. And I'm really impressed, actually, with the intimacy that uh, the tannery provides. Trevor, have you been to the tannery? Uh, I have not. I missed the last one. I've heard nothing but good things, that everybody had a great time. I'd uh, love to go myself and kind of uh, represent the nerds and kind of you know spread our, our name out a little more. Um, it's not too far from here. 
um, nice easy drive. Uh, it's hard to say if I'll actually be able to just because of uh, pretty much my summer is very booked. <laughs> so it's going to be hard for me to make it to some of these shows, but I definitely, it's another one of my, it's on my radar. Um, look, I'm looking forward to it if I do get to attend. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah, and uh, Kitchener's become their third home thanks to uh, Scott Hunter uh, because he actually, I'm not sure if he still works there because that's how he got another job. But up until recently, he was working at the tannery. And uh, yeah, he's made the event center a third home for uh, Smash Wrestling after Sarnia uh, sort of shut down on them. Chris, your thoughts on uh, Kitchener? Yeah, um, just due to scheduling, I've never been able to attend a show, so I'm hoping to uh, to finally get out to one. Um, if you want to see what a real hockey fan looks like, follow Scott Hunter on Facebook. Uh, he's a huge San Jose Sharks fan, but um, some of the pictures and images he's been putting up there are absolutely funny. Um, the intimate feel from just what I've seen on the Fight Network when Smash airs on there from their shows, uh, it looks like it's uh, almost like a um, uh, Toronto-type feel at the Phoenix or the way the ECW arena used to feel. Um, obviously different, but it's just, I mean, everybody's close and just the atmosphere alone looks uh, tremendous. Yeah. So hopefully I'm able to make it up for the uh, next show there. Awesome. Um, so SummerSlam is coming to Toronto and they're going to be doing, uh, NXT SummerSlam raw and SmackDown. Well, sort of like how, what happens in, uh, the areas that WD goes to for WrestleMania, Smash Wrestling is going to do their sort of piggybacking off SummerSlam and they're presenting a lot of shows with a lot of partners and that starts on August 7th when Smash goes against Progress on the 8th is WXW doing Ambition 11 on August 8th also there's going to be a Progress Wrestling show August 8th WXW uh, is doing another live show and August 9th is Super Showdown 7 which is basically uh, Smash Wrestling's WrestleMania. And August 10th, uh, the Summit is happening at 9 a.m. So it's the same day as uh, NXT TakeOver. And it's a all-women's event featuring Femme Patel's Rise, Shimmer, and Smash Wrestling themselves. So it's kind of awesome that they're partnering with so many uh, different organizations. And I have a little bit of a note to uh, post about Super Showdown or uh, speculation, shall we say, after we get uh, your thoughts on how Smash works with other companies and your thoughts on Smash doing all this during SummerSlam weekend. So, Trevor, what's your thoughts on it? Sure. Um, my thoughts on that are I think it's awesome for Smash. I think um, even just um, – I'll go back to touching on Smash, but just in the wrestling business, how we're – seeing kind of interpromotional things happen now, even like with Smash teaming up with uh, all these other companies and bringing in other people, um, um, with um, even they teamed up with Impact and we see a lot of indie people come and go on Impact. Uh, even if you want to go as far as the bigger names, I don't know if anybody's watched the World, Colli World Collides for uh, the WWE, but I think they're great because they have an indie feeling and you get to see kind of the mix of the shows in a way that you usually don't. Um, even if you want to go as far as the, the New Japan Ring of Honor teaming up, they just had a show in Toronto. Um, just seeing all this intermixing of, of wrestling, 
I think has just been amazing. It's a great time to be a fan. As far as the, the Smash Room goes, I think that's great for them, especially, I mean, take advantage. You've got the, the big dogs in your hometown. Um, that's a perfect time for us, to, for, for Smash to be like, hey, we're here too. Um, I really have loved everything Smash has done since the, five, the first time I saw them for five bucks. Um, not knowing who any of them were or who this, what this company was to like it being a show I've yet missed one of. Um, so yeah, I think it's great for them. Um, I, I don't know if I personally will be able to make it to those ones. I will uh, be definitely going to the big show, but um, uh, yeah, I guess that's all I got. That's about it for that. Awesome. Uh, Chris, your thoughts on everything that Smash is doing with the uh, relationships with other organizations. Well, I tell you this, I booked time off of work. I got five shows I'm going to in four days. Um, just a correction there for you and, and double check this, but I think the the Summit show, I think, starts at 11. I think there's a meet and greet at 9. Uh, so just double check that. Um, with regards to the events themselves, the 9th also features the uh, re-debut of Union of Independent Wrestlers that uh, Kingdom has uh, has done up. So Another option for fans there, as well as um, I'm a huge mark for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, I mean, uh, it was announced tonight that ROH New Japan hooked up with CMLL as well as NWA. So they're going to be presenting a show on the Friday as well. Um, I mean, so much action. It's like you kind of want to be in three different places at once, but it's, uh, it's tough. But uh, knowing I was at Super Showdown uh, 6 last year, um, and the atmosphere and just the vibe from that show, it's going to be tough you know, not to go to the showdown this year. Um, and I, I second Trevor in saying that the fact is that uh, if taking advantage of the fact that you've got WWE in town, you know, it's going to be sell because there's going to be fans that are going to be looking for wrestling all weekend long. And there's going to be people that don't want to go to Access, you know, so why not hit up the indie shows? So uh, it's going to be an exhausting, you know, four to five days. And then you add the Monday Night Raw yeah. and SmackDown on top of that. And, uh, you know, you're going to be a wrestling coma by the end of it, but it's uh, going to be well with it. Yeah, basically from the 7th until, what, the 13th of August, all that action's going on. And that's just the ones that we know from looking right now that are happening. Who's to say that Destiny doesn't also pop up and bury wrestling and the yeah. others? So Hey, Sean, I've, yeah, got, uh, I've got something for you there. Uh, Destiny is also taking place on the 9th of August featuring Tennille Dashwood. Excellent, yeah. So, like, that whole weekend's going to be popping up just like it does with uh, WrestleMania weekend. So, looking at uh, Super Showdown 7, three announcements have been made so far for it. Uh, it's obviously too soon to know what the card is going to look like because we still have to get through the Northern. But Jordan Grace has been announced for being there, and she was uh, part of the Canusa Classic. Of course, Brent Banks is going to be there. And Scotty O'Shea is there. The reason why I'm bringing this up and get your thoughts on it is the fact that a certain Buffalo brother, Kevin Blackwood, is now accepting bookings after July 12th, where he makes his return from having two broken legs and his ear nearly ripped off. Or, sorry, one broken leg and his ear nearly ripped off. And kind of convenient that Scotty's going to be there August 9th. Did we see the return of Kevin Blackwood that night? 
So your thoughts on that possibility, but also with Blackwood coming back to wrestling so soon, now after almost six months since the accident. Trevor? I'll touch on this first. Um, and then after that, unfortunately, I'll have to go. But um, yeah, no uh, I, I think it's great that uh, Blackwood's coming back. Um, I think that would be a great, uh, great homecoming for him to smash if they had that match, especially with it being you know one of their bigger shows. I um, was very disappointed when Blackwood couldn't make it to London. When I, I believe it was, was it the keyboard match it was supposed to be in, and they couldn't, he, he was replaced. Um, I, I believe that was before his injury. Um, so, yeah, I love that feud. They should continue it as much as they can. Um, I love long-lasting feuds as well. So um, hopefully they do that. Um, Jordan Grace being there is going to be great, too. As you mentioned, she was in the Kanata, and that was actually when I was first starting to hear about her. And it was like, oh, I'm glad to get to see her because I've been hearing all this hype, and she delivered. So that's great for them, too. So, yeah, it should be a good show either way. Um, on that note, unfortunately, I get get going, guys. But I just want to, before you guys uh, put your thoughts and opinions, I just want to thank you for having me on here. First time, as I said, that we have a crossover like this. And hopefully I get a chance to do it again. Yeah, for, for sure. Uh, great having you. And it's interesting having the uh, nerds, scumbags, and uh, sharpshooter all in one. So thank you. And have a good night. No problem. Yeah, we'll All right, guys. Take care. Have a good night. All right. And, Chris, your thoughts on uh, that scenario and the fact that Kevin Blackwood is coming back? Blackwood coming back surprises me. Um, I mean, you're probably up on social media and stuff like that, but if you saw the footage of J uh, Daniel Garcia, when he came into the ring that time, he had the crutches, and next thing you know, he tosses down the crutches and this goes nuts. Um, it's good to see these guys finally on the mend uh, to the point that they're accepting bookings again. Um, I think you're right about that. I think O'Shea looks to be unstoppable right now at kill screen. Um, so to have somebody like, you know, um, Kevin Blackwood make a surprise appearance and kick the living hell out of, um, out of, uh, you know, uh, Scott, uh, Scotty O'Shea, I think it'd be phenomenal. Um, with regards to Jordan Grace, she's definitely impressive. I mean, her impact run, her Canusa run, um, it'd be great to see her up there as well. Um, I think, um, if anything at all, I mean, Super Showdown is one of those times that you're going to see rare moments happen, and I'd love to see even all four Buffalo Brothers confront Killstreet, and I, I think that'd be uh, pretty cool. Yeah, because I think uh, Daniel Garcia is getting uh, awfully close as well to coming back. It's just, he'll probably be the fourth one to make it, but it's great to see that uh, Kevin Blackwood is now back in action he made a surprise appearance this past weekend and i uh, posted about the july 12th uh, being one of his first matches back I'm not sure which organization is with somebody in the states but uh, after that he's taking any and all bookings yeah i tell you what i can't wait and if if the potential of the buffalo brothers or even just kevin blackwood being at super showdown uh is there uh, you'll probably see me skip uh, New Japan and Ring of Honor that night because last thing I'm going to do is go to that show and see the results of Super Showdown and be like, man, this sucks. I should have went to the other one. Mm-hmm, for sure. Okay, so with Trevor gone, um, we did actually get through all of the Smash Wrestling and in indie stuff. So 
This is Jim Strider, live from the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory, and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast. All right, it's the news that everyone's been talking about. Chris Jericho's Rockin' Wrestling Rager at Sea Part 2, the second wave, is getting ready to go, along with thousands of the friends of Jericho and me, sailing across the ocean to have the best vacation of a lifetime. I want to tell you right now, the hottest wrestling promotion in the world today, All Elite Wrestling, will be there. That's right, some of the greatest rock and roll bands in the world, some of the funniest comedians on the planet, paranormal experiences where you'll be wondering, is this really happening? Happening? Well, the answer is yes. It is really happening, and so is Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea Part Two, Second Wave. Sign up for all the info for this all elite vacation now at ChrisJerichoCruise.com. I want you on board Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea, so we can all sail away, man. We'll see you there. Oh yeah. It's a path to the divine. It's great. Uh, we can move back to. Some information on the other side of things with AEW. Um, it was announced this week that at a gentleman who's turning 70 and will be tomorrow's superstar of the day, Earl Hebner, is part of AEW. Plus, AEW announced that they're going to be doing their TVs on TNT later this year, which everybody's been speculating being October, and probably on Tuesday since Tuesday Night Dynamite was announced as one of the trademarks. But Tony Khan, president of All Eat Wrestling, uh, issued a statement the other day saying wrestling fans have wanted and needed something different, authentic, and better for far too long. AEW is answering the call. AEW is about more than wrestling. It's about a movement fueled by wrestling fans who have been underserved and perhaps even disappointed by what the industry has produced in recent years. AEW is rising to the occasion with Double or Nothing, and today taking it a step further by partnering with Warner Media, which is a commitment as we are to making wrestling fans one of the only priority. With Warner Media, AEW is poised globally to redefine wrestling as we know it today. So your thoughts on the fact that AEW now has a television deal and it's in time for the new fall season, plus Double or Nothing coming up next weekend. Well, when you say the old phrase, all your ducks in a row, that's what AEW is doing right now. They've got every bit of uh, power going their way as far as what they're doing, and they really haven't done anything at, at this point. You know, they've announced things. Uh, they've set up StarCast. They set up Double or Nothing. They've set up their social media accounts. Uh, they have signed people. You know, they took one of ROH's uh, head referees away. Uh, you talk about Earl Hebner. One of the things about Cody that you know in the wrestling business is the fact is he's a very loyal guy. Anybody that's been loyal to him, uh, he'll be loyal back to, including Earl Hebner. I mean, that's why the nightmare family term exists. Um, with regards to... AEW and their time slot, I'd rather see them on a different night, and the reason for that is because if you see AEW on a Tuesday night and all of a sudden March arrives, AEW is not going to be uh, you know, in the same spot uh, for probably a good two months because of basketball. Um, what did they do? Did they go, yeah, what did they do? Did they go, uh, did they go online streaming while basketball is playing on TNT? 
Uh, we'll have to wait and see. Wednesday nights to be up against NXT. Uh, but then there had been rumor in the past about NXT going live at some point. So that may be when the WWE pulls the trigger on that one. Definitely an interesting time in wrestling. Um, I want to get your thoughts, though, on two things. Number one is looks like Cody and Brandy were interviewed. Uh, uh, this is coming from Fightful.com. I'm just going to read what it says and then get your thoughts on this. Uh, Cody says, you may not see one scripted promo. When it comes to promos, if we invested in you and we hired you, we already know your voice. We just want to put the voice out there for people to hear. We have these great collaborators who want to make all of this work. Collaboration, yes. Micromanagement, no. Scripted, no. Then Brandy Rhodes goes on to say, we're honest when we say we want it to be very sports-centric. In order to do that, it needs to be more focused on the bell-to-bell, -bell, uh, those types of stories, less so the drama and behind-the-scenes. So I want to know how accurate do you think that statement is and whether or not they're going to hold to it a year from now? I think they have the best intentions. I don't know if it can be really pulled off, but time will tell. What it will do is hopefully give a new, fresh look. And that's what the wrestling industry has been needing. The independent scene has seen the fresh look that people want, and that's why the indie scene is hot, but it's not being seen on the main roster. It came to the day. <laughs> All right. So my, my second thing I'm going to touch base on is um, with me referencing Cody being very loyal, uh, there tends to be a, a free agent out there on the market that might be coming to London pretty soon. Um, do you see Sean Spears heading that way? Uh, most likely I see him heading there. Uh, they were tag team in OVW together as they were getting started, or at least as Cody was getting started. Sean had already had a lot of experience behind him. But I don't know. Like I'm, I got mixed uh, emotions on it, and, and not for like a bad reason. But if you see some of the things that Cody is doing, which I like, and don't get me wrong, but it also looks like he's trying to correct the mistakes of the past of WCW with, hey, I'm back on, we're back on a Turner network. There's wrestling back on Turner. Um, he's trying to get all the trademarks that some of his dad's uh, creations in WCW that maybe WWE has let go of, and he's trying to uh, snatch those up. So it's advancement, but sort of trying to relive the past and it's, I don't know how it's going to mold into one big ball and be AEW something different that the fans need as opposed to a rehash. All right, so let me get your thoughts on this. So rumor has it maybe uh, AEW Canadian side is in talks with TSN. What do you think about that one? I'd be uh, down with that. Like, once again, Nitro was on TSN, but actually TSN had everything at that time because there wasn't really Sportsnet. No, very true. And uh, you'll never see, I think, AEW and WV on any kind of uh, similar station up here or even down the States. No, especially now that there's so many cable outlets and sport outlets. Like, it's not going to happen. Something drastically wrong has to occur that it's all shifted to one location and the other company is going to allow that to happen. Yeah, I definitely 100% agree with that one. So we next we can do uh, predictions on AEW uh, Double or Nothing. And I do need to somewhat correct you on uh, something that you mentioned about AEW being able to set up StarCast. If you go by what Conrad Thompson says, 
he's just a mortgage guy that put together the show at the same time as AEW doing their shows. And that they're two separate entities, and that's why he still wants to have a good relationship with WWE. Yeah, you say that, but he's also the son-in-law of Ric Flair, so <laughs> not sure how but much. Flair, not sure how much but I believe Ric that. Ric Flair one. is with WWE. Yeah, I know. There's, um, but I mean, if that's the, oh, you know what? Okay, fine. I'll, I'll one up you. If that's the case, why did Undertaker and Kurt Angle get pulled from Starcast then? Exactly. You know, Vince doesn't believe that uh, blurred line. Uh, as much as Conrad wants to make sure it's blurred. So we'll see how it goes, but, you know, he's just a mortgage guy with some really good podcasts, including Grilling JR, Something to Wrestle With, 83 Weeks, and What Happened When. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of content. I, I know from the last StarCast, it was hard to keep uh, keep up. I had to kind of, you know, pick and choose my battles of what I was going to watch and, and what I could watch later, but... Uh, I mean, very interesting as far as the concept of what they're doing. I'd love to see something like that happen in Canada here. Yeah, it's just a matter of uh, timing, and you never know. Uh, maybe eventually there will be a AEW-type show at, say, the Scotiabank Arena or anything like that in Toronto, and uh, we get a StarCast 17 or something happening over this way. Yeah, I was listening to a podcast earlier on today, and one of the things that they were mentioning, and I didn't even think about this, was the fact is we know AEW is launching on TV uh, October. We don't know what night, what time, whatever the case may be. But in saying that, they can't just do, they're not going to, I, I don't believe they're going to start doing their shows live. I mean, they're going to be taped shows. So in saying that, these taped shows have to have set up. They also have to have, you know, fan interest and fans buying tickets and stuff like that. So I think we'll we'll know in the next couple of months where they're going to be uh, hidden as far as the markets go uh, to set up these TV tapings. Exactly. And uh, so, yeah, we'll see how that plays out. And uh, yeah, so that's all the stuff with AEW for this week, but there's still a lot. Cody did put out a uh, thank you message to the wrestling fans of how they've supported them so far. And, uh, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, it has been a newsworthy few weeks for All Elite Wrestling. As some of you may know, some of you may be hearing for the very first time, AEW has entered into a TV deal with Turner Broadcasting. It's not missed on me. Sitting here in Atlanta, Georgia, the youngest of the Rhodes family, the weight of that announcement, the fact that pro wrestling is returning to Turner. And not only that, AEW has also entered into a TV deal with the UK's largest commercial television channel, that being ITV. This, it's unprecedented. And if you could refer to anything, it was over two decades ago. I mean, fans, this is your moment. It's my moment. It's our moment. And every bit of this, it starts May 25th, Las Vegas, double or nothing, MGM Grand Garden Arena. And here's how you can watch it. In the United States and Canada, it's on pay-per-view. Internationally, you can watch it on Fight. Specifically in the UK, you can see it on ITV. And even in the United States, you can watch it on BR Live. But the real purpose of me sitting here today is simple. I want to take a moment to thank you. Thank you for your passion. Thank you for your loyalty. 
you for your patience. We can't do this without you. We don't intend to do this without you. Let's go forward. I have a saying amongst my brethren in the elite, let's live forever. I'm not naive enough to think any of us can live forever, but I think pro wrestling can make moments that do. And that is what AEW aims to do. So once again, from myself, from all of us at All Elite Wrestling, thank you. 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 We couldn't have done it without each and every one of you fans for supporting us. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you. Hello. Do you or someone you know have a business that you'd love to have advertised here on our podcast? Well, give me a shout at our email address, scumbagswrestling at gmail.com, and let us know how we can help you advertise to the listeners of this podcast. We'll give your business a shout out, including information on how people can reach out to you and information on your services. Back to WWE uh, news, Lars Sullivan was fined $100,000 for his offensive remarks that he made years ago, uh, including uh, comments about Big E, uh, I think one of the luchadors, and uh, he's going to have to go to sensitivity training at the end of everything as well. And I guess this is partly uh, in backlash to the comments made, but also maybe Snickers finding out about it, just like they did with Mae Young. So WWE's trying to keep Lars Sullivan there while also showing a punishment and making an example of him. So any thoughts on the Lars Sullivan situation with his fine and sensitivity training? So it's a different situation where you got somebody who did something before the WWE that got fined uh, for his actions back then. It's uh, similar to Hulk Hogan, but different. Um, what it comes down to is the WWE is a publicly traded company, and in saying that, they have people to answer to. Um, obviously, you know, any stockholders or sponsors and this and that. And, um, I mean, from what I heard, basically, they were looking to try to get rid of Lars Sullivan off of WWE program, uh, programming completely. Um, so this was kind of the middle ground. And if you don't kind of understand the concept of uh, sponsors and people who are building your stock ups to make a billion-dollar company, um, look at what happened with the fabulous Moolah thing at WrestleMania. Exactly. Um, so Lars did uh, put a statement saying, there's no excuse for the inappropriate remarks that I made years ago. They do not reflect my personal beliefs, nor who I am today, and I apologize to everyone I offended. Uh, a couple of months ago, I stopped by the Tyson Dukes Wrestling School and just watched uh, the students go through uh, some of their matches and uh, practice stuff. And then Tyson was talking to the students about what they did wrong, could have done better, and he actually praised Lars Sullivan as being something for the future because he's been down there at the performance center helping with training Tyson has and so I might not be a huge fan of uh, Lars Sullivan and he kind of has that goofy monster look like uh, Snitsky had but 
I guess if somebody like Tyson is endorsing him, there's something to him. Yeah, I definitely have to agree with that. I mean, Tyson's not going to endorse somebody that he, he feels isn't, you know, isn't worth it. So, um, I mean, Lars, it's different with him because even when he was down at NXT, he had that um, different, unique look to him. Like, you know, you, you can tell he's a monster, but um, when you watched him in that, uh, that ladder match for the North American Championship compete with guys like Adam Cole and Ricochet, uh, he fit right in his own way, you know, so um, uh, I, I see big things for him as long as he can kind of keep his mouth shut, but um, uh, great to see somebody like Tyson Dukes endorsing him. For sure. And uh, so then there was announcements about uh, their next stop in Saudi Arabia, which is going to be uh, entitled Super Showdown without the hyphen, like the Australian version had. But the three main matches that have been out so far are Triple H against Randy Orton, a 50-man battle royal, and Goldberg taking on Undertaker. Do you have any interest in the Saudi shows and the fact that they, the Prince likes to have the older talent there? Uh, here's a guy that once uh, asked Vince McMahon if the Ultimate Warrior and Yokozuna were available. Um, uh, to me, it's a gimmick thing. I mean, it's like the last one where all of a sudden you saw DX against the, the Brothers of Destruction. Um, the cool thing, uh, the coolest thing about it to me anyways as a wrestling fan is the uh, the Battle Royal or the Raw Rumble type match where you have guys that you haven't seen in a while um, participate in it. Now, with saying that, um, guys have taken their stance against you know going over there. Uh, people like Daniel Bryan, for example, um, so it's it's hit and miss. Um, if you get into the political side of things, it's definitely a miss. But as a fan of wrestling, if there's a match that's on there that I'm looking forward to seeing, yeah, of course I'm going to watch. But um, uh, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, and uh, I don't know what's going to happen with that one because you got Goldberg, Undertaker, and they did announce that Brock Lesnar's going to be there, which... The rumor has it that it might be against Seth in a WrestleMania rematch. Whether the title's on the line or not, who knows? Because Seth might not even have the title after Money in the Bank. Uh, but it also makes it interesting for The Undertaker, which he's due to be at Niagara Comic Con on the Sunday, two days after facing Goldberg and flying back from Saudi Arabia. Yet he's also been pulled from places like StarCast and other Comic-Con. So hopefully he makes it to Niagara Falls and gets that one last date in there before he's totally WD property. Yeah, I guess we'll have to wait and see. I mean, that's why they always put that star at the very bottom. It's his card subject to change. So, I mean, I'm, I'm sure they'd offer refunds and stuff like that. But, um, I mean, hopefully Niagara Falls Comic-Con has a backup plan and just in case something like that does happen. Yeah, and it's only for like a two-hour uh, meet and greet, and then he's gone type deal, and it's a huge price. I think $180 or something like that. So I'm hoping, at least for Niagara Falls and the fans who are paying it that much, that he is able to go. But you never know with the win against Goldberg and having to fly back from Saudi Arabia. What happens with Undertaker beyond that? That's a good question as well, because... He's wrestled a lot last year, but probably shouldn't have either. No, I mean, it's it's one of those things he's going to have a farewell match sometime soon. 
But um, I mean, it's it's the legacy that he built. The last thing you want to do is is see him, um, you know, go too long and uh, I mean, end up Ric Flair kind of impact wrestling style. So uh, hopefully he hangs him up pretty quick. Yeah. And people thought that was going to happen when he went against uh, Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, and then that didn't happen. Um, also, something that happened this week, and sort of getting ahead of things on StarCast, uh, one of the panels that's going to be happening, was WWE presented the Holy Grail, the search for WWE's most infamous lost match. And that was a match that happened in October of 1986 with Tom McGee, a guy that uh, WD thought was going to be the next Hulk Hogan, even though they were just freshly into Hulkamania. They are already looking for the next guy, and they put him against Bret Hart. And it was supposed to be taped for TV, but Bret made it certain that he wasn't going to be uh, shown, and he asked apparently Tom what his moveset was, and it was like three moves that were all flips. So Bret told him to just follow his lead, and he kind of proved, even in 86, that he's like Shawn Michaels and able to have a match with a broomstick and make it look good. WWE eventually found out that he wasn't as good as he was, or they thought, and by 1990, he was gone. And that tape was missing for the longest time, and when it got digitized out of Brett's uh, library, it was finally found, and WWE put together a documentary, and that's ahead of the fact that they're going to have Tom McGee and Bret Hart talk about it at StarCast. So, interesting situation. Did you get to see it? No, it's still sitting on the PBR. I will eventually find time to watch it, but um, I've heard people's opinions on the backstory and everything else, and, and the biggest thing that sticks out is, you know, Vince McMahon was going nuts backstage that this was the next Hulk Hogan and it's exactly like you said, you know, it was Brett that made him look good. It wasn't that he was any good himself. Uh, there's a YouTube clip, and uh, no offense to Tom McGee because, I mean, he just, um, uh, he was, he had the look. He just didn't have the talent. But there's a YouTube clip, uh, clip online. Uh, it's about something to do with, he's got a guy in a corner, and he's doing, like, karate chops and kicks and stuff like that. And he's basically paintbrushing him, like, uh, the way Scott Hall used to do. So, anyways, uh, from what I heard as well, he's not even doesn't even look like the same guy as he did when he was in the ring where obviously Bret Hart looks like an older version of himself. But, um, I mean, it's, it's, the story is definitely interesting. But, uh, one of the things I heard on the podcast that was asked is, okay, well, after this, what's next, what's out there that exists that's, or supposedly exists that nobody's been able to find. Very true. So maybe there's more out there, but this has been the most infamous match that has yet to be uncovered. And, uh, they're going to, it's worth a look at the WD version of this podcast or the documentary, should I say, and then what uh, actually gets discussed in a panel with Tom McGee and Bret Hart. In the documentary, they had Cassius Ono, uh, Harry Smith, and TJ Wilson all talking about it. And apparently, TJ and Harry had seen it back in the early 90s at a barbecue at the Hart House and before it went missing. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. Keeping on uh, talking with the Hart, um, next week we're going to talk about Owen Hart because it's the 20th anniversary of his untimely death uh, during the pay-per-view of Over the Edge that happened in Kansas City when he came down from the Raptors as Blue Blazer. 
But just a shout out to John Pollock, who on his vacation, uh, John Pollock from Post Wrestling, should I say, he was on vacation, but not on vacation. And he made an audio documentary about Owen's death. And he contacted people like Jimmy Corderas, and who was in the ring at that same time as Owen fell and getting everybody's recollection of what happened that night and just stories of Owen. And there's a little bit of a clip that's about a minute long at most. And it's just like, wow, if that's all in just a minute, what's the whole documentary going to be? And that's coming out May 20th on Post Wrestling. So if anybody's a fan of that, definitely check it out. And uh, we're going to talk about Owen next week. Your thoughts? Chris? Yeah, it's just, um, I was thinking earlier today, just, um, it's uh, weird that it's been 20 years since he passed away, you know, it just seems like it was yesterday. Uh, the one thing is, I mean, in the past 20 years to know he's usually referenced in anything that has to do with, uh, say, Japanese wrestling or the fact why guys like Adam Cole or Ricochet are getting their shots in, you know, the WWE. Um, he, you know, a lasting impression, he was liked backstage. Um, it's unfortunate what happened, uh, you know, and uh, John Pollock's doing a great thing by putting that clip out there to get fans hyped. And, um, you know, it's it's sad, though. I mean, it's like a, like you said, about a one-minute video that uh, had me kind of tearful when I was listening to Jimmy Corderas on it. But um, anyways, it's uh, it'll be a tough week next week as far as the wrestling world goes. You know, a lot of tributes I'm sure are going to pour out. Um, can't imagine WWE's going to put out one because of the whole Martha Hart thing, but... Uh, yeah, Owen's even, like I said, 20 years later, definitely still missed. Yeah, that, uh, I remember that night because of the fact that it was uh, celebrating my 23rd birthday, and it was a pay-per-view night. So to have that happen partway through the event, it was like, wow. And, yeah, we'll discuss that uh, and more memories of Owen next week. One last thing before we move on to the predictions and banter about Money in the Bank happening next week is your thoughts on the funhouse of Bray Wyatt, the Firefly Funhouse. Uh, we saw a couple of weeks of it, and Ramblin' Rabbit got killed by Mercy, the buzzard. Meanwhile, buzzards usually go after only dead things. And we have Abby the Witch in the window, and Bray's been sort of like a Mr. Rogers type deal. He painted a picture of the house going up in flames with Abby in the window. Uh, but then this week, they totally just went right to the end of the story and revealed the demon or whatever it is uh, that is inside of Bray or the actual shell of Bray, maybe. And he's wearing almost like Sin Bodhi clothes with uh, a mask that was uh, made by one of the famous uh, horror filmmakers. And so we now need to see what this happens. But apparently Bray has creative control over what's going on with the Firefly Funhouse, which is amazing considering Vince doesn't let anybody have creative control. Your thoughts on the Firefly Funhouse? Well, I tell you this, so when I first saw it, um, for the very first time, I was like, WTF is this? And it was the same week that Robert Roode debuted with the mustache. And I was like, okay, 
this is a bad week for wrestling. Well, sure enough, and you know, I religiously watch Raw and SmackDown, NXT, um, you know, usually Monday and Tuesday nights, I'll have it on. If there's a segment that kind of, you know, isn't the greatest, I'll kind of turn down the volume and, and tend to uh, either work on my website or, or check out a podcast. When Bray Wyatt's been coming on the past couple of weeks, I immediately stop the podcast and turn up the volume to see what's coming next. Um, there's a YouTube thing out there, and I haven't seen it yet, but it, apparently there's all these hidden messages that relate to stuff with regards to Bray Wyatt and, and the stuff he says and, you know, everything that's in his skits. But um, it's I'm curious to see where it's going to go. Uh, it's Bray Wyatt, who, who, I mean, since day one in the Wyatt family has been absolutely phenomenal. Uh, you know, definitely... Uh, night and day compared to uh, Husky Harris. Um, it's cool to know that Vince McMahon's given them creative control. Um, in saying that, you know, Bray's obviously third generation, so his family has last or has left a lasting legacy with the WWE. Uh, but uh, you know, if this is what Bray Wyatt needs to become a superstar again, and to I mean, I, I it's nobody would expect Firefly Fun. Uh, wow, what, what's it called? The Firefly Funhouse. Correct. Yeah. So nobody. I mean. You put that name out there, and it's like, okay, this is going to put Bray Wyatt over. It's like, no way in the world. But um, he's doing it, and I'm curious, and I'm going to, you know, hopefully uh, we'll see where things are going uh, towards SummerSlam and, and how big of a following he has come then. Yeah, hopefully it's not uh, anything that gets shot down uh, once it get, goes through the curtain and uh, just becomes something ridiculous. They need to make him into a dominant, horrifying character, maybe not even have any matches that he wins for the next while. And he just totally beats up people until it comes to something, a major match that he has to actually fight. The only thing that worries me about the character is, um, you know, it's, it's great because it's just promos and stuff and, and WWE brass is probably like, man, this is, you know, what's going to create a ratings buzz again. But the problem is, it's like if he gets out there and doesn't, you know, create a hype inside the ring, as far as storylines go, um, it's exactly what you just said. Are they going to kill the character? Yeah, they got to protect that one because it is somewhat the hottest thing that WWE has right now that people are paying attention to. Following the news that the former hottest free agent in pro wrestling, Kenny Omega, is Joining AEW, London Comic Con can finally announced that the best belt machine is making his way to Southwest Ontario for London Comic Con 2019 this October. Omega will be available to meet fans, sign autographs, and host a special VIP video game tournament. More details and announcements are coming soon. Check out London Comic Con for more details. The Signature Spot with Chris Toplack is a weekly podcast available every Thursday that covers the world of professional wrestling. It's an easy-to-digest show that ranges from 30 to 40 minutes in length and focuses on show recaps, highlights from the week, industry news and rumors, full event previews along with predictions, topics of the week, and featured guests such as journalists and fellow podcasters. It's a professional yet personable show that's all about connecting with you. To subscribe, head over to youtube.com forward slash the signature spot or listen on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts are available. And to be a part of the conversation, like the signature spot on Facebook. I'm Joshua Pine, and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast. 
now I guess we can move on to uh, the money in the bank pay-per-view. There has been actually a change since yesterday on uh, a little bit of the card. And uh, we'll run down the uh, matches. So yesterday when we looked at the list, there was only one match on the pre-show. Inevitably, the Cruiserweight title got bumped down to the pre-show. So we had Tony Nese defending the Cruiserweight Championship against Arya Davari. What are your thoughts? So, uh, pretty much every prediction I made last night is pretty much the same with the exception of one. You'll hear that in, in a bit. Uh, with this match here, uh, definitely got to go with uh, Tony Nice. Um, he's, you know, beaten uh, Buddy Murphy at WrestleMania, who beat Cedric Alexander. So, it's, it's been one good champ after another after another, um, after the whole Enzo mess. Um, can't wait to see... Uh, what they do with Nice. Um, hopefully they, they, they go with him because he's got the look, he's got the charisma, you know, he's a uh, New York, New Jersey guy, so he's uh, definitely got the attitude to go along with it. And, um, you know, he's, he's um, fans know who he is as far as 205 Live goes, so I think he's good for the uh, the brand. Uh, as far as Davari goes, I mean, don't get me wrong, he's talented, but he's he's uh, just not that guy to carry the brand, so I see uh, Nice retaining. Yeah, I would agree with you. Um, Ari Davari, his biggest claim to frame is his brother, Sean Davari, who was in WD like five, ten years ago. Um, Tony Neese, I said yesterday that I was surprised that he got it before Drew Gulak would, because I've just figured the way they were going with Gulak. But Tony Neese has been around the Cruiserweight uh, Classic from the inception in 2016 and has hung on with WD, and it's a good choice for him to be champion. I think it's too soon for him to drop, and uh, it's time for Nice to carry the ball. Yeah, so def- that moves. With- I was going to say, def- yeah, definitely, one hundred percent agree with you. That moves us to the other pre-show match, which people are questioning: Why are these guys on the pre-show? But the Usos, who are a Raw property, are going against the SmackDown Tag Team Champions, Dana Bryan and Rowan. Now, it doesn't say whether the titles are on the line, but it would make interesting if a Raw tag team took the other brand's team, uh, title and how that works with the whole wild card situation or if it affects your official branding or whatever. They'd have to identify that. But it is a little bit of star power to the tag team titles and on the pre-show. Who do you got uh, coming out of that? Well, if let me see. If they put the titles on the line, I think it'd be cool if the Usos won, uh, took the titles back to Raw, and then maybe you know potentially had a title unification match. Um, with the ratings being the way they are, and uh, you know the brand split not doing as well as they had hoped, and the move to Fox coming up uh, in October, uh, they need all the power they they can get going into it. So. Uh, reducing the number of champions of the WWE, I think, would be good. Um, there's nothing to say that SmackDown's still not going to be on Fox, and you can't have you know the same guy on both shows uh, to build better storylines. But um, I think the Usos taking on um, is it Ryder and Hawkins over there as champs. Yeah, they're the Raw champs. Yeah, I think uh, you know if if you were to get down to it, seeing that title unification match take place, I think it would be cool. But um, Usos got to win it first and. Titles on the line, I see the Usos winning, and I know, I know it's a 50-50 prediction, but if the titles aren't on the line, 
Um, I definitely see Daniel Bryan and Rowan, uh, Rowan, uh, you know, uh, staying uh, winning in in this case. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Daniel Bryan, Rowan winning regardless. I do like the scenarios that you put out there because of the fact that the ratings are down. There's rumor that uh, USA and Fox, who didn't want to have merged brands, are now interested in having merged brands, even though they're opposite uh, companies. Uh, and they just want that star power. And the scenario put out about merging the titles is good because SmackDown does have a weak tag team division in comparison to Raw. But there's a reason to put those titles on Dana Bryan and Eric Rowan, and that's to give some sort of star power to the, that division on SmackDown. And I see them retaining and winning regardless of the titles on the line or not. Uh, so I, I guess we agree and disagree all at the same time. Exactly. So we got opposite picks on that one. Um, Samoa Joe defends the United States Championship against Rey Mysterio. And it appears that uh, Rey's son, Dominic, is going to be at ringside. So that match there, um, there's a few guys in WWE that make their, uh, you know, divisions look, you know, absolutely huge because of the fact they're stars. Samoa Joe is one of those stars. If they're not going to put the world title on him, uh, give him a secondary title like the U.S. title, but keep that title on him and make that title, uh, you know, the title relevant. Uh, Rey Mysterio's had his time. He's, you know, done and over with as far as championships should go. Um, I think the bigger storyline here is uh, what side is Dominic on and whether or not he cost Rey Mysterio the, the, the match. For sure. Um, I think it's a little early to do anything with the father and son, but at least sowing some seeds of, uh, you know, what's going to happen with them. And I do see a father versus son match happening uh, somewhere down the line. And I think we talked yesterday also, though, that uh, Smojo needs to have this victory established and dominant and elevate that United States championship but also elevate himself into the main event pitcher where at one of the major cards by the end of the year or the start of 2020, he could be walking out with the, I guess it'd be the universal championship because he's on raw. So I still think that he retains the title. Yeah. We're definitely in the same, uh, same wave wavelength that way. Uh, moving to The Miz versus Shane in a steel cage match. Uh, this has been a couple months in the making as they were tag team champions ever since the, or tag team partners ever since the last Saudi Arabia show where Shane stepped in in the finals of the uh, best wrestler in the world uh, tournament and he shared the cup with Miz. They became tag team champions, but then he ended up turning on The Miz. They had their fight at WrestleMania, where Shane beat up uh, Miz's dad. And instead of it going to the wayside, once the brand split and the superstar shakeup happened, Shane followed Miz over to Raw and attacked him, setting up this steel cage match. Your thoughts? Um, Shane's definitely playing the hero role, especially when he comes out and says, you know, I'm the boss, you're going to do what I say, blah, 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 blah. Um, and saying that, now, when they won that best in the world thing, that was over in Saudi Arabia, right? That's correct. So, 
my thoughts were this was going to be done and over with at Mania. Uh, it didn't happen that way. They're still feuding. Um, they're one step away from seeing, you know, father and son versus father and son, which WWE predictability, uh, you know, I'd be willing to place a bet on that. But in saying that, maybe they get through this match, the steel cage match, and, um, you know, Shane won at WrestleMania. See, the Miz go over in this one. They have what's known as a rubber match. And, you know, they, they began in Saudi Arabia, so have their final match in Saudi Arabia and then leave it there. So potentially one more match, I think, taking place in June, and then hopefully this feud is, is uh, done for. Yeah, Saudi Arabia is only actually a few more weeks after uh, Money in the Bank. But I, for the love of God, hope that that prediction is wrong and they do not have another match in Saudi. But if they're going to get to a Roman Reigns-Shane match, they need some other things in between to do so. So there's a possibility. However, for Money in the Bank, I'm choosing The Miz to win, just like yourself. But I think uh, good old George Mazanin is going to get in there and uh, get some revenge on uh, Shane. Yeah, I was, I was just kind of thinking about something. It's like... Who's to say that, um, you know, it depends on whether, whether this stacks up on the card, but say, for example, Roman Reigns is in one of the first matches and he loses to Elias because of the fact Shane McMahon's interfered. There's nothing to say that Roman doesn't come out to uh, cost Shane the match further on and that's how they build, you know, start building their feud from there. Exactly. That's like the next uh, match I was going to talk about, and that's Roman Reigns taking on Elias, and Elias has basically been... Shane's muscle, not that Shane kind of needs it considering all the crazy stuff Shane does and uh, wrestles himself, but Elias has been his backup and he's taking on Roman in a singles match. Who do you see actually taking the victory in that uh, match? You know, as much as I'd love to go and see my booking take place, it's um, still WWE in the end. Um, they're going to build Roman up as big as they can because they need the star power. So I uh, can't see Elias going over in this one. So I'm going to say Roman for the win. Yeah, I'd love to see uh, the opposite, like you uh, said with your sort of booking with Shane helping Elias win. And that does put more heat on Shane towards uh, Roman. But unfortunately, Elias isn't a credible uh contender or challenger should I say to Roman Reigns because of the lack of matches that he's had or the length of matches that he's had over the last couple of years they've all been short and now he's going to have to go a longer time with Roman it's hard to go against Roman on that one so there could be some shenanigans with Shane but in the end Roman wins and I'm going with you on Roman so that takes us down to sort of the bigger matches to look at. And let's look at the women's uh, whole scenario that's going on with that. And I can start off with the women's money in the bank. Uh, we found out earlier today that Alexa Bliss is now not cleared by uh, medical to be part of the money in the bank. And Nikki Cross is going to take her place, just like she did uh, on Monday night. So that has Nikki Cross, Carmilla, Ember Moon, Mandy Rose, Bailey, Naomi, Dana Brooke, and Natalia. Eight women 
vying for that Money in the Bank briefcase. Who do you have and what do you see happening with it? So props to WWE for giving Nikki Cross the exposure on a pay-per-view level. Uh, you know, her, her character is is uh, one of the most unique in the WWE. Um, so, you know, good, good for them for replacing Alexa Bliss with somebody like that. As far as storyline goes, this is Bailey's all the way. So you're going to see Bailey holding that briefcase at the very end of the match, which will play into the one of the two women's main event matches. So, um, but uh, yeah, Bailey's going to take money in the bank in this one. I would love to see Bailey uh, do it as um, after dropping the first ever women's tag team titles, and I have been Bailey fans since her time in NXT, but the briefcase works better on a heel and Vince McMahon loves his blondes as you can tell by the ladies who are going to be going against Becky Lynch during the night so I can see Mandy Rose taking the money in the briefcase and for this night to be somewhat suspenseful this match has to happen first so people wonder will she or won't she try and cash in on Becky Lynch when she's at her weakest. So my pick is going to be Mandy Rose. Bailey is my sentimental favorite, though. All right, fair enough. Uh, Carrying on with the women's uh, bracket and storyline throughout the night, I think what works best in the two title matches that Becky's going to have is Charlotte goes first, and regardless of the outcome, has a match that puts Becky in a vulnerable position that people wonder if Lacey Evans can uh, pull up the victory. So looking at that sort of order of match, what do you see happening with Charlotte and Becky? Uh, With Charlotte and Becky? Um, Yeah. Can we talk about both matches at once? Sure. Okay. So the reason for it, my scenario makes a little more sense this way. So okay. Bailey wins Money in the Bank. First match to take place between Becky is with Becky and Charlotte. Um, oh no, hold on. I, I, you said that. But that's not what I'm saying. First match to take place is Becky and uh, Lacey Evans. Lacey Evans goes over. So new champion, done. Uh, she goes off to Raw and defends the title over there. So Becky's next match is up against Charlotte. Becky loses that title to Charlotte, and my prediction is a little bit different from what I said last night, but I had rethought it a little bit today. So, Becky now loses to Charlotte. Charlotte Flair is SmackDown Women's Champion again. However, Bailey gets thrown into the mix. So, when um, Charlotte is, uh, you know, celebrating as champion, Bailey comes down, cashes the money in the bank, beats Charlotte, and you see Bailey as the new SmackDown Women's Champion uh, to end that segment right there. Uh, in that case, I kind of do like that, but not at the same time, because I think that, in my case, regardless of the order that we uh, look at it, in your the order that you say, or put out there, I have Becky retaining over Lacey, no matter which uh, order the match does happen, but I also see her retaining over Charlotte. And at the end of uh, the whole two matches, she'll be holding the titles up. And that's where Mandy Rose strikes and takes the title from her. So she retains Becky two belts until she's exhausted 
and loses to the heel. Yeah, I just, I mean, it's WWE, so I understand that theory, but it's just, to me, Mandy Rose is not ready yet. Um, especially if they're looking to rebrand themselves going into Fox. Um, yeah, no, I still stick with my scenario. Yeah, and um, my reason also, though, for Lacey uh, losing the Raw Championship is that I think Becky will drop the SmackDown title first of the two, regardless of when it actually does officially happen, and she'll then stay on Raw because, as we've seen lately with the Superstar shakeup, WWE wants to keep relationships together and on the road. And we saw Andrade go from Raw back to SmackDown because he is with Charlotte, and that meant Selena Vega and Alistair Black had to go from Raw back over to SmackDown so they could stay together in that scenario. That means Becky would be a Raw personality and a talent uh, because she's now officially, even though Rumor has been around for a while, officially with Seth Rollins. Yeah, see, I, I mean, I think with Beth, uh, Becky losing both belts, I think she'll have that option uh, to go wherever she wants to. Um, but, I mean, if you think of the roster, I understand what's going on, you know, Charlotte and Andrade and uh, obviously Aleister Black and uh, Zelina. Um, I think as far as roster base goes, probably for the amount of money that the two of them are making as it is, I think Rollins and Charlotte would be an exception uh, to that rule. Now, in saying that, they end the brand split. They don't have to worry about that anymore. So uh, the next couple of months is going to be interesting. True. Plus, while well, Becky and uh, Seth are probably up there as the two that would have wild cards for whatever show they wanted to go to or were needed on. So let's uh, then flip over to the men's side of uh, things with the championships and look at the men's ladder match. There's Sami Zayn, who just replaced... Braun Strowman, who's having arm issues, arm or elbow, and um, Ricochet, Drew McIntyre, Corbin Barron, Ali, Finn Balor, Andrade, and Randy Orton. So if I had two sentimental favorites, it'd be Sami Zayn and Ricochet. I think uh, with the AEW uh, announcement, I think a good way to counter that would be definitely Ricochet uh, taking the Money in the Bank briefcase and, and seeing where he goes with it. You know, in saying that, again, and I can't say this enough, it is WWE, so when I think about their booking, and, uh, you know, this is a little bit biased because of the fact we're attending SummerSlam, um, I got to say Drew McIntyre is going to win the Money in the Bank briefcase, cash it in, um, you know, Braun Strowman style, you know, not uh, any kind of surprise, but just cash it in and say, I want my match, I want it in SummerSlam, I want it against Seth Rollins, and then we see the Drew McIntyre era start at SummerSlam this year. So, uh, yeah, Drew McIntyre for the uh, briefcase win in this one. Yeah. Um, I am of the opinion that I still like what you said with uh, Drew and being at SummerSlam against somebody like Seth Rollins, who will have the title possibly still. But I think Drew is at a point where he would just need to win a number one contenders match or something, be the number one contender and not need the briefcase. As far as this match goes, I could do without Corbin and Orton. I hope they take each other out and let the high flyers and the one monster in McIntyre do the rest of the match. The briefcase looks better when it's 
put on a heel because even when CM Punk tried cashing in and did successfully on Jeff Hardy, it was face versus face, and people booed CM Punk at first because, you know, you don't boo Jeff Hardy. And uh, it just doesn't work as a face trying to cash in. So I need it on a heel, and I would go with Andrade to see how Selena Vega would have Mike skills and use the briefcase to get Andrade over. Andrade, as we just said, is with Charlotte Flair. He has been apparently told to learn more English, and he's working on that, and it's starting to show in the promotion of him on SmackDown. So to further that, put the briefcase in his hand, and eventually we could see Andrade against Kofi and take that title on that side. Yeah, see, I, I wouldn't mind seeing that match, but um, again, if the time is right for somebody like Drew McIntyre, the time is now, and uh, this is relevant to me of SummerSlam, and I forget what year it was, it might have been 2002, but it's when Brock Lesnar beat up The Rock in uh, Madison Square Garden, so um, if there's ever a time for Drew McIntyre to be that next Brock Lesnar, so to speak, this is uh, this year. I can see that. Uh, moving to the WWE Championship, Kofi Kingston, in his first pay-per-view title defense, he had two last week, but uh, first pay-per-view title defense is going to be against Kevin Owens. And Owens was uh, brought in as the replacement to Big E as Big E's out with an injury, so they needed a third person for New Day. But... A leopard doesn't change his spots, and Kevin Owens isn't fan-favorite material. That guy is a heel through and through and turned on Kofi Kingston. Probably in the opinion that he should have been on WrestleMania going against Dan O'Brien, as people expected him to, but Kofi took that spot because of the fan uproar, and now they're going one-on-one for the WWE Championship. Your thoughts? I give Kofi, uh, Kofi Kingston all the credit in the world as far as being a talented superstar and definitely underrated. Um, he's not, however, the second coming of Daniel Bryan. Uh, the fan support he had is uh, not even close to what Daniel Bryan had back at WrestleMania 30. Uh, now, in saying that, WWE, you know, you know, flipped the switch and probably went against their own booking to uh, do what they did at WrestleMania for this guy, which was amazing. And in saying that, it was a, a moment that should last. And, uh, you know, Kevin Owens is one of my top five guys as, as far as WWE goes that uh, impressed me, that I will follow no matter what he's doing. Um, but the time's not right. I mean, the Owens heel turn, of course, Kevin Owens, like Samoa Joe, is better as a heel. But the fact is, keep the, uh, the title on Kofi. See who you can put it up against. And, and you never know. You'll probably see Kofi end up losing the title to either a guy like Andrade or my theory is, is uh, have Big E come back and all of a sudden the New Day's done and Big E's got jealousy issues. So, you know, he goes after Kofi because Kofi's got the title and now Big E wants it. So, anyways, Kofi for the win in this one, but uh, interesting to, to see where they, they go from here. Yeah, it could be a really good uh, matchup between the two, and I agree. Uh, Kofi is too soon to lose that belt after all the buildup uh, to get it on him. So just to snatch it away from him on his third title defense just doesn't sit well. I said last night in our original recording that I'd love to see Kofi built up as a credible champion. So then when either 
in the scenario of Big E turning on him or somebody else coming and taking it from him. It's a huge surprise and breaking the fan's heart that this happened, and that will put Kofi over even more when he tries chasing the title, but it's too soon for Kofi to lose it right now. Money in the bank, he retains over Kevin Owens. And finally, what hopefully will be closing the pay-per-view, and once again, another great matchup. It's only happened one other time uh, on the independent circuit about 13 years ago is Seth Rollins defending the Universal Championship against AJ Styles. So all the um, all the respect in the world for a guy like AJ Styles, again, New Japan Pro Wrestling Mark, and the stuff he did with the Bullet Club was absolutely amazing. Um, even before that, though, I was a huge fan of Impact Wrestling back when he was fighting Samoa Joe and Christopher Daniels in triple threat matches for the X title. Uh, you know, his talent, um, you know, just to... His repertoire, so to speak, of moves and the way he can, uh, you know, transition into a company like the WWE has been amazing. Um, in saying that, AJ is one of those guys who's a little bit up there in age. He can still move, but he's had all the accomplishments in the world, including that WWE Championship for like a long, long time, which is uh, kind of unheard of unless you're Brock Lesnar nowadays. Anyways, long story short, um, AJ doesn't need the title, and uh, when you talk about Brock Lesnar, Seth Rollins beat Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. Uh, he slayed the beast, so to speak, so to take the title off of him makes absolutely no sense, and like I said, storyline-wise, I'd love to see Seth Rollins and Drew McIntyre at SummerSlam, and I think that's the way they're going to go, so Seth to retain. Yeah, I would go with uh, Seth as well. They took too long to get that title off of Brock Lesnar just for Seth to drop it that soon. And there's potential uh, down the line to have them go against each other for AJ Styles and Seth Rollins. You never know. There could be a reunion of the club down the line since both uh, the Good Brothers and AJ are on uh, Raw and they haven't left for AEW yet, Gallows and Anderson. And Super Showdown is happening in uh, Saudi Arabia a week or two later with the rumor of Seth against Brock in the WrestleMania rematch. So all signs point to Seth retaining. And either way, it's going to be a great uh, match. And uh, hopefully this card is a uh, card that people don't sleep on and miss, but it's going to wow people maybe more than what possibly WrestleMania did in a shorter period of time. Yeah, WrestleMania was just, I mean, as much as it was great, it was way too long. So I'm happy to back to the, uh, the you know, three to four hour pay-per-views here. Yeah, I think imagining that is short compared to everything else. But yeah, it should be a, a good card. And I want to thank you for being a part of the podcast so far. Tyson Dukes is currently one half of the Smash Wrestling Tag Team Champions and one of the pillars of wrestling in Ontario. He's had a very impressive career over the past two decades, and it's only natural that aspiring wrestlers would want to learn from a veteran of his caliber. Since October of 2017, Tyson opened up the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory here in London, Ontario. Students learn all aspects of wrestling. The first graduates like Jim Strider, Violet Lee, and Jordan James are making their names for themselves on the indie scene. 
Whether you're a student or a supporter, you can now be a part of the club and purchase your own beautiful zip-up hoodie. They're just $40 up to extra large and $45 for larger sizes. Contact Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory directly on Facebook to order yours today. Hey, I'm Alec Realm, and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast. Uh, I have one more thing we want to wrap up with. And I said when Trevor was on that we like giving back to the community. And there's another opportunity for us to do so, and it's actually in our own backyard. And that's right here in London on June 23rd. It's called Ethan Spite. It's happening at Montcalm Secondary School, Sunday, June 23rd. Admission is $15 or $20 for VIP. And just to give you a brief detail, Ethan is a six-year-old little boy who was discovered that he had cancer uh, in his brain. He immediately had surgery at the kids' hospital in Toronto to remove the mass. They was able to relieve the swelling and cause buildup of cerebral spinal fluid. After eight hours of surgery, uh, they removed the mass, but some of the elements were attached to his brainstem and couldn't uh, get extracted. So along with the remnants of the tumor in his brain, cancer was also present throughout Ethan's spine. Luckily, he qualified for a study which would combat cancer with revolutionary form of protein radiation available only at St. Jude's uh, Children's Hospital in Memphis, Tennessee. Obviously, Memphis, Tennessee is not covered under uh, Canadian uh, OHIP or anything like that. And that's a lot of money that's there. His mother's had to leave her jobs just to take care of Ethan. And she has a one-year leave from those. And like everybody else, bills pile up too. So Ethan's fight is happening. And the money raised from this event will go and help the family. Already announced for the show is a 20-man battle royal. We'll also see Kyle Boone taking on heavyweight Jake Jones. And the main event has Carter Mason taking on London's own Cody Deaner. And we know Cody Deaner from this area. We've helped Cody out with his giver for charity. The man loves to give back to the kids, seniors, anybody who needs help. And we can do that, too, by buying a ticket. I've already reserved 10 seats for the Scumbags Wrestling I can get more for us, so please contact me at our Facebook page or wrestling at gmail.com, and let's help out Ethan. Yeah, de- I mean, definitely great cause for, you know, uh, Ethan there. Um, uh, you know, uh, I didn't go to Montcalm for too long. It was only a year, uh, but way back in the day, that's how I met Sean. Um, so, I mean, it's going to be a good night, uh, June 23rd, uh, especially Cody Deaner present. Uh, he loves doing charities, so he's, you know, his mind's always 200% in the right place. Um, be the second time I, I, I do this in the show, but, um, I did it last night as well, but, uh, what I'm going to have anybody do is if you listen to this podcast and you want to go to this show, um, I will buy a ticket for you. All you got to do is message Sean, uh, through private message on Facebook with the hashtag go Cougars. And the first person to do that will get a ticket through uh, through me uh, for a great cause here. 
That's awesome. So as uh, we just want to recap as well for the Dresden show, if you hashtag uh, a message saying what again? So the hashtag has to be hashtag J Smith is overrated. J Smith is overrated to the Facebook page. And, and you'll well not yeah not to the Facebook page. They they gotta go onto your Facebook page and then private message you with that hashtag so that way you you know you know you know who the first one's gonna be. Okay, so private message me. Jay Smith is overrated and you can get yourself a ticket to the Dresden show happening July thirteenth and send me a message saying go Cougars and you can get yourself a ticket for Ethan's Flight happening June twenty third. Two great charities. We win either way with great wrestling and the hockey team and Ethan get supported by you. So come on out and help us uh, support these two great causes. You won't regret it. Yeah, I mean, definitely good causes. And uh, the way I used to say back in the days, uh, definitely support your local independent wrestling scene. So it's, um, uh, you know, everybody benefits. Exactly. So once again, thank you, Chris, for being part of this week's podcast. Next week, we're going to talk about um, the Smash Wrestling event, AEW's Double or Nothing, Backlash from uh, Money in the Bank, and Owen Hart. So another packed uh, show coming up next week. And uh, until next time, have a good one. And that concludes another edition of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. Once again, my name is Sean. I'm your host, coming to you from London, Ontario, Canada. I'd like to thank Trevor, who is from the Wrestling Nerds, being a part of the, this week's episode. It's great having you on here. Hopefully we can do it more often, where you can be around more for the show and we get some predictions. And of course, I want to thank Chris Maloney for being a part of the show. He has the Sharpshooter and the Sharpshooter podcast. He just dropped another episode just the other night so you want to check him out on anywhere you get your podcast same with how you get this podcast we're available on stitcher spotify itunes google Podcasts, podcoin and many other options be sure to look out for the future where you can be a part of this show with just a simple question and answer or you can actually be a part of it like trevor was this week and we can have a bigger roundtable discussing all the great things about wrestling, whether it's Smash Wrestling, AEW, WWE, and any other independent wrestling happening here in Ontario. We love your feedback, so hit us up on social media, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or email me at scumbagsofwrestling at gmail.com. We have a full show for next week, but until then, I'm going to wait for your responses to Chris Maloney's offer for tickets to either the Dresden Show and or Ethan's Fight. Follow the instructions that you heard earlier in this podcast, and you can earn yourself a ticket to one of those two shows. So thank you once again for being a part of this. Until next time, have a great week. Granted, I understand it's essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night.
so unloving. Ah.